Officer Derek Chauvin guilty on all three counts. Now we have to look to see whether the country will be engulfed in riots or whether it will just be peaceful protest, dialogue, and discussion. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, juror four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four-person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count three, second-degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021. Guilty on all counts. Derek Chauvin facing... Decades now in prison, depending on what the judge decides to do with the sentence, uh, and we still have to enter that phase. It's very likely that there will be an immediate appeal here, and there are certainly grounds that have already been talked about for that appeal to proceed. Um, it, it is, I will tell you, it was a surprise to me that he was guilty on all three counts. Uh, most of the legal experts and the people that I trust in this issue thought that it was an instance of overcharging. And there are a lot of people now who are going to look at this, and obviously they, they believe that justice was done. Other people might view this as partial justice in the sense that they would have given him a guilty verdict on the manslaughter charge, uh, but not on the charge of, uh, of third-degree murder and second-degree murder. They wouldn't have gone with the higher counts in this instance. Uh, it's troubling that a case like this would have so much pressure behind it, would have the President of the United States weighing in, would have him calling the brother of, George, uh, of uh, deceased George Floyd, would have members of Congress talking about the right verdict being reached. Did this jury actually feel free or was the jury confined, intimidated, worried about a verdict that would not have pleased the mobs that have been outside this courtroom all along. We'll have to wait and see. Um, this is an incident that obviously started the BLM, the, the initial George Floyd incident started the BLM riots that caused billions of dollars of damage and destroyed uh, buildings in cities across the country, attacked law enforcement officers, didn't make communities safer, didn't actually get any police reform and now we sit here and we see what is the reaction from the movement, so to speak. You have downtown Minneapolis looking like it's prepared for an invasion by the North Korean regular army. You have uh, other cities extending police details and putting in place barriers and other security measures at high profile targets to deal with what they believe to be imminent rioting. Why would there be riots now? We should ask that question. I understand what the activists would say. I understand what the left, the anarchists, BLM and the rest would say. But we have a justice system. It's the only system we have. There is, there is no other system in this country. And it just came down with severe 
uh, severe judgment against Officer Derek Chauvin. So for those who believe that he was guilty of all three counts, for those who believe that Derek Chauvin wanted to murder George Floyd, shouldn't this show that the system works? Shouldn't this show that there is in fact justice uh, possible under the law? And if they feel that way, why would there be writing? Now, as I speak to you, it, it's not clear whether there will be any. Perhaps this was all just preparation that was unnecessary. Perhaps there was no reason uh, to prepare downtown Minneapolis because the movement, such as it is, against police reform or the movement to abolish police or whatever they're calling it today, will realize that it's not possible for them to react to this verdict, this clear uh, you know, verdict of the jury to condemn in the strongest possible legal terms this act by Derek Chauvin. I mean, he could be going to prison for much of the rest of his natural life for this act. Shouldn't that then stop people from feeling the need to attack innocents, destroy buildings, loot stores? The system, if you believe Chauvin was guilty, worked. But if you believe that Derek Chauvin didn't actually uh, commit murder here, if you think that this was a, a situation of pressure brought to bear, very clear pressure, we all know that that was there, that Officer Chauvin was in a difficult circumstance, that he should have provided aid perhaps faster, but he had no racist or murderous intent whatsoever, and that he was merely trying to defuse the situation. If you feel that way, you see this and think, what message does this send to law enforcement across the country? Who's going to want to continue to do these jobs where they're dealing with people who have violent criminal histories, as George Floyd did, deal with people who are high on drugs, as George Floyd was, to have to grapple with them, physically wrestle them, not harm them too much, but also be able to use force? Who's going to want that job feeling like at a moment's notice, if the wrong video gets out on YouTube, they could be in this position as well of facing charges? Now, that's if you believe that George Floyd was, was, his death was a tragedy, which we all believe it was a tragedy, but that it wasn't a, a criminally, um, a, a, there was no criminal intent on the part of the police officer here, Derek Chauvin. Clearly, the court has passed down, or the jury has passed down its judgment, and they believe that there was clear criminal intent on all three counts, which I think is a, is a surprise to a lot of people. Um, so we're, we're to believe that Officer, officer Chauvin wanted to murder somebody on that day for reasons that have never really been made clear. Look, the justice system is the best thing we've got. It's the only thing we've got in this country. The verdict has come down. We respect the verdict. And now everybody should respect the rest of our system too, which means no rioting, no looting. And if that occurs, then there should be a swift and severe reaction, not just from law enforcement, but for many of the journalists and pundits and others out there who are currently celebrating, but there's something ominous in the air as well. I have my friend John Cardillo joining here shortly to talk about the Sicknick, Officer Sicknick information from yesterday, as well as his thoughts on what we've just witnessed here with the jury verdict coming down um, a couple of hours ago. So we'll get to that in just a moment. You ever thought about investing in real estate? Take me up on this recommendation, okay? If it's ever crossed your mind at all, go to the website doneforyoubuck.com right now, and you can learn a lot more about my friends at Done For You Real Estate. If you haven't ever heard of them before, I'll make this straightforward. 
these guys have found a way to take beginners, novices in investing in real estate like me, and put them into a system where they're actually going to be successful. And it flat out works. It allows everyday hardworking Americans like you and me to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out and all the things they do. So how about this? If you go to the website doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate. You hear me describe, in my own words, extensively, what it was that brought me to real estate investing and why I'm working with these guys and how it's been. Go to doneforyoubuck.com. Listen to that podcast interview at the top of the page. Again, just click on doneforyoubuck.com. Show my friends at Done For Your Real Estate that you're interested and they'll show you what they can do for you. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The country is on edge right now as the possibility of riots looms very large. We have to be on guard for the next few days and we also have to be supporting our law enforcement. Part of that is going to be looking at what happened at another riot and another law enforcement incident a few months ago and understanding how the media coverage of this is going to be so very different in the days ahead. Remember Officer Sicknick, the Capitol Hill police officer? We were told that on the January 6th so-called insurrection, a riot, that he was killed by members of the, of the mob um, that were supporting their President Trump, and that's what the cause of death was. Turns out that was not the case. We want to talk about just the situation of law enforcement right now, and specifically the Sicknick case with our friend, conservative commentator and former NYPD officer, John Cardillo. John, as always, good to see you. Good to see you, bud. Um, here's the original Sicknick statement from Capitol Hill Police. I, I know this is just a very tense time for the country, but this just came out and this, it's important that we know the extent to which the media with issues, whether it's law enforcement, life and death, riots, they're willing to just openly lie about things. United States Capitol yeah. Police initially said uh, uh, Brian Sicknick passed away due to injuries sustained while on duty. Officer Sicknick was responding to riots at the U.S. Capitol injured. He returned to the division office and collapsed. Now, that was the initial statement. It turns out the Washington Post, as of yesterday, said Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick suffered two strokes and died of natural causes a day after he confronted rioters at the January 6th insurrection. So basically, John, what we know here is that this man, and look, he was serving his country, serving his, his city. Uh, he died in the line of duty, and you know he, sure. he should be honored for what he was doing, which was serving and protecting. But he wasn't beaten to death with a fire extinguisher, and we were lied to about that. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Yeah, no, and, and you raise a very interesting point, Buck, in that he's still a hero. He was a Capitol Police officer and, and something exacerbated some physical uh, uh, energy he exerted that day, something he did, obviously brought those strokes on. That's still a line of duty death. And his family should get every benefit. He should be buried with full honors, the flag handed to the widow, every honor afforded to a police officer killed in the line of duty. But he was not bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. And what's, what's more reprehensible about that narrative, Buck, is that the Capitol Police would have known that very quickly. Autopsies you know, take several hours of a day. They don't take three months. And Nancy Pelosi, as the ranking member of Congress, would have been told in real time what the cause of death was. Why is that problematic? Why is that chilling? Because she knew exactly how Officer Sicknick died. She knew he wasn't murdered by a fire extinguisher or the secondary false narrative of, of allergies to a chemical irritant. She knew it was a tragic stroke, but she allowed the lie about being bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher to make it into the congressional record for Trump's second impeachment. She How? allowed lies. She knew they were lies, and she allowed them into that record. And that, to me, is as bad as it gets. How is it possible, John, that this kind of information could even be suppressed for three months? I would think, you know, you know a lot of, a lot of sworn law enforcement. There were your brothers yeah. and sisters in uniform. I worked with some at the NYPD. Uh, there are people on, on, you know, on both sides of the political spectrum working in places like Capitol Hill Police. So what, what, how is it possible to keep this information under wraps this long? It's only possible if it's done very intentionally. And what I believe happened, I don't know, but the only way this really happens, Buck, is if Nancy Pelosi calls the chief of the Capitol PD and says, you don't say a word, you don't contradict a word I say. That's the only way that happens because a professional public information exercise by law enforcement would have immediately disclosed the true nature of Sixnick death to put all those false narratives to bed. Somebody proactively blocked the truth from coming out because they wanted that false narrative to be kept alive. And the only person with the power to do that, in my opinion, is Nancy Pelosi. Now, John, the whole country is obviously very concerned about riots tonight. We were just talking about the riot on January 6th. We're finally getting sure. true or you know, accurate information about a, a critical component of that. Now we're facing perhaps a night, perhaps days, maybe weeks of riots ahead of us. Sure. What has to happen? I mean, it, how, how does law enforcement actually get a handle on this if they don't have political leadership backing them up? Is, is it even possible? It's not possible without leadership backing them up. You know, you see a, a very big difference be, between red areas, uh, right, or Republican conservative counties with elected sheriffs that you do in these big Democrat cities, right? Uh, Chicago under Lori Lightfoot, New York under Bill de Blasio. You see a very different way the police departments operate. Elected sheriffs tend to adhere to law and order. In these big cities, the appointed chiefs answer to the mayor or the city commission. And they're, they're chiefs or commissioners or superintendents in the case of Chicago. They're all the top people. They're beholden to those far left radical politicians. And those people tell them what to do and what not to do. And so they pull back on proactive policing. They pander to the mob. Crime rises. 
We see a 36% uptick in murders in New York City. That's not surprising to me. We're going back to the bad old days in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. John, we've got uh, this, obviously this guilty verdict that's come down yeah. on, on all three counts. People would think, perhaps, that that would indicate that there's a, a, a likelihood of, I guess, lesser riots. I mean, how should we put this into context? I mean, this, the justice system just, just gave this police officer uh, the most the, the most severe sanctions or rather the most severe verdict that could have been offered through the system so shouldn't we expect now that justice is is done and people can have their voices heard peacefully by all means assemble protest sure. speak about police reform whatever they want to say but shouldn't this mean that they don't destroy they don't they don't attack yeah. other cops you would think, right? I mean, look, I think personally, I, I think the verdict which came down seconds ago is a travesty. I think the evidence didn't support this verdict at all. I think that Maxine Waters put her finger on the scale. I'm going to call out CBS News. CBS News did something reprehensible yesterday. They said that one of the jurors lived in Brooklyn Center where Dante Wright was killed. To me, that was CBS News engaging in felony jury tampering by saying, hey, jurors, you better vote the way we want you to. We know where you live president of the United States says there was a right verdict. I think Chauvin has a hell of an appeal in front of him. Even the judge, even the, the judge went as far as to admonish the defense, the uh, prosecution earlier. But I see multiple grounds for appeal for Chauvin, not the least of which was the president of the United States sitting, a sitting U.S. Congresswoman Maxine Waters and the mayor of Minneapolis predetermining his guilt before the verdict came in. I don't see how this stands. John Cardillo. Thanks so much, my friend. Good to see you. Thanks, Buck. Members of the so-called squad are calling for an end to policing despite racking up massive bills on their own personal security. We've got more on that with senior congressional correspondent at The Daily Caller, Henry Rogers, when we come back. I've been warning you about home title theft. That's where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title and become the owner. I said, you better get home title lock because it's coming. Well, if you're on Facebook, the big breach is here. Facebook had 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves. And according to a retired FBI cybercrime expert, everything thieves need to take over as the new owner of your home was leaked. Name, address, personal information, it's out there. The thief forges your signature on a quitclaim deed stating you sold your home to him. He'll leave you in debt or even have you evicted. So do what I did and protect your home's title with Home Title Lock. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Then sign up for 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, all you have to do right now is go to the website, HomeTitleLock.com. Make sure you use that promo code RADIO. Again, that's HomeTitleLock, promo code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Take action today. Don't wait until you get hit with this crime. HomeTitleLock.com. You can't really reform um, a department that that is rotten to, to the root. What you can do is rebuild the current infrastructure that exists as policing in our city um, should not exist anymore. And it may sound strange, but uh, many affluent suburb, suburbs have essentially already begun pursuing a defunding of the police in that they fund schools, they fund housing, and they fund health care. Um, more as their number one priority. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the um, investment 
in our communities which have historically been divested. This is about true reparations. Members of the squad there, as those members of Congress are known, have been pushing the defund police movement for over a year now. But it looks like these hypocrites only want to defund your security and they want to keep theirs. According to FEC records reviewed by our friend Henry Rogers at the Daily Caller, Democratic representatives Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and AOC each spent thousands of dollars on their own private security services. Look at these numbers. AOC spent a total of 9000 for three months of security consulting. On January 25th, she spent more than 24000 on security. According to her April quarterly 2021 financial report, Representative Omar spent more than $3,000 on her own security in the state of Minnesota. Representative Presley spent more than $4,000 on security services. So why is it okay that uh, our leaders in Congress, at least some Democrats in Congress, want to defund our security forces, i.e. the police, but they spend thousands on their own private security? Hmm. Here to weigh in, senior congressional correspondent at The Daily Caller, the man who broke this one wide open, Mr. Henry Rogers. Henry, good to see you. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So tell us how we got to this point. What, what, what gave you the inclination that if you look through some of these records, you might find that uh, there's a little bit of hypocrisy at work for the defund the police members of Congress? Right, Buck. Well, as you know, you know, I cover Congress for the Daily Caller, so I'm up there all the time. And I see, you know, these squad members uh, kind of move around with people who appear to be security or, you know, wondered who I wondered who they were. So when these FEC filings came out, uh, you know, recently, a couple days ago, um, I decided let's, you know, let's do a key search word check on the squad members of the, ser- the search word being security, because obviously it looks like these people have security or something. Um, and when I found that, a number of, of items hit on the FEC reports. So I would go through and I would review each one, and it was just the numbers kept adding up and adding up. And yes, I would I would call some of these places that uh, you know were linked in the FEC report and say, hey, are you guys a armed security service? Do you guys do armed bodyguard service detail, et cetera? They said they all would say yes. We all do. They every single one of them said yes and these places would be you know all across the country not just in their home districts not just in washington dc but in florida and and texas on random trips they would go on it seems like they would just have these security uh members one thing i found really interesting though buck was ilhan omar who we all know has her own uh private security detail at least that's what republican sources on the hill tell me her own secret service private detail that pelosi gave her after a, a Trump tweet triggered, uh, you know, sensations there, um, she still spent nearly $4,000 in three months on security for herself. So, I mean, it's unbelievable that these four people, uh, squad members who are all calling to defund the police, uh, you know, while while actually most of the, uh, of, of the city is going to be on fire, it appears. It's not looking good for the this, this city or for, for, the, for the, the, the U.S. right now with the whole George Floyd trial are all calling to defund the police. It's truly unreal to me. Yet, uh, you know, these people are, are, you approach them, you can't even get near them because they have security telling you back up, back up, back up. Uh, Just one thing you you threw in the mix there, I was not aware of this. So not only is there the issue of the private security that's being paid for here, which again, there's nothing wrong with paying for private security. It's just noteworthy that members of Congress who want the defunding of police are funding, in some cases, private security for themselves. 
uh, but that there was a detail assigned to Ilhan Omar by Nancy Pelosi. So that sounds like it's a more permanent thing than even four grand or 10 grand or whatever those numbers were we just flashed on the screen. So has she had a, a has Ilhan Omar had this detail for some time, according to your sources? So that, that that's information that I'm breaking actually on your show, Buck, because I got that information uh, today. That information was given to me by multiple GOP sources on the Hill who read my story and got back to me saying, do you know why Ilhan Omar's numbers are actually lower than you might expect for security? Uh, considering you know what her bodyguard team looks like, you've seen her on Capitol Hill, et cetera. Um, I said, why? They said, because she was assigned Secret Service detail. So I'm working that to nail those facts down. I'll be contacting Ilhan Omar's office uh, in just a short minute of time here. But I mean, if that is true, Buck, if that is truly the, the case here, she's being protected by the United States government, our taxpayer money, which is, I mean, a Secret Service detail's real deal. That stuff is not cheap. It's not, you know, um, it's not as cheap as these other security uh, services are across the United States. So that would be something. I mean, if, if, if Ilhan Omar is in Minnesota right now as it's burning uh, with a private security detail, Secret Service uh, detail, that would be really stunning. And stuff. The, the funds that, that went to the private security firms from, from Ilhan Omar and, and AOC and, and uh, a hand, you know, the members of the squad that, that we've been talking about here, that just comes from, is that paid for by the congressional office or are they paying that out of their personal funds? It's, it's coming from their congressional office, all the money that they've raised, campaign money, et cetera. They're, they're being paid, they're paying it through it through there, their personal offices. So um, the American people are paying for it. It's not coming from AOC's hundred something thousand dollar salary because she can't afford that. I mean, the numbers just literally do not add up. Uh, so yeah, that, that's that's what that, that is. is. Is there any, you know, Henry, I've talked to you a few times about the, uh, the situation down on Capitol Hill with the fencing and the National Guard. And I know that that has now finally re- receded a bit, but is, is there any sense among, among Republican members that there's just a lot of security theater in general going on now on the Hill and that you've got people that are just being very dishonest about their intentions for all the rest of us? Like we're kind of, you know, the, the American people are on their own Meanwhile, and defund police is very important. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, we got people running around here acting like they're under siege, and at any moment, there's going to be a violent coup. I mean, Buck, you can't get on the House floor. These members of Congress are getting fined fifteen thousand dollars just to try to go vote. So, that, I mean, talk about the wrong, you know, having the wrong priorities. I mean, they're they're focused on not letting members of Congress onto the House floor so they can't vote. Yet, you know, and, and, and setting up these military fences, there's still a big fence around the Capitol, by the way. It's not like it's all gone. It's still there. Uh, you know, National Guard should be in the places where they need to be, not in our nation's capital on a nice spring, sunny day with the birds chirping uh, on taxpayer dollar dimes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it needs to be addressed by, by members of Congress. Well, Henry, please come back when you get more about whether there's a Secret Service detail for Ilhan Omar as, as a huge advocate of defunding police. I mean, as you and I both know, Secret Service detail, what that costs the taxpayer, it's a lot of money. And those are guys that, that carry some serious hardware and know how to use them. So I just think that would be something we got to get you back on. Thanks for breaking this story. Henry Rogers of The Daily Caller. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Buck. I appreciate it. GOP is in the midst of an identity crisis, pitting traditional Republicans against a populist groundswell. So whose party is it?
We've got author and political consultant Ryan Gerdusky joining us next to help answer that question. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. describe the Republican Party as you see it today, yeah. how would you describe it? Uh, I would describe it as isolationist, protectionist, and to a certain extent, nativist. Hmm. And, you, you disappointed? Well, it's not exactly my vision, yeah. but you know what? I'm just an old guy they put out to pasture. That was former President George W. Bush, just the latest legacy Republican leader to publicly lament the populist direction the GOP has taken in recent years. Bush joins former Speaker of the House John Boehner, who's been making the rounds, bashing the GOP and his former colleagues. You're hard on Ted Cruz in, in oh, this you mean book. Lucifer? you mean Lucifer in the flesh. This guy didn't even serve in the, in the House. He served in the United States Senate. And, and he didn't do anything in the Senate except make noise and come over to the House side and stir up uh, some of my more conservative members. I don't know if I call them conservative. Some of my knuckleheads. Uh, into doing things that made no sense whatsoever. So much for Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment, thou shalt not speak ill of any fellow Republican. So whose party is this now? Where is it heading? Is it the old guys they put out to pasture, the so-called knuckleheads? Joining us now to talk about this is a co-author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution, a man who knows quite a bit about this, Mr. Ryan Gerdusky. Ryan, good to see you. Nice seeing you, Buck. Thanks for having me on. I actually think it's good for us uh, on the right to see George W. Bush once in a while come forward as as a reminder of what could be within the Republican Party and and why it led to eight years of Obamaism and to very long unsuccessful wars and and all the rest of it. I I think people should remember that the geo the the more sort of corporatist uh, interventionist GOP is looming right in the background. Right. I mean, let's look at the legacy of George W. Bush. After eight years of him being president, the economy was in free fall because his um, he, he had given up the mortgage. He created the mortgage crisis. Him and Bill Clinton created the mortgage crisis and it worsened it with low credit ratings. We had a never ending war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Thousands of Americans were dead to bring democracy to a nation that did not want it, did not ask for it and did not attack us on 9-11. Um, we had an opioid crisis well in the works under his watch. He did nothing to sit there and try to stop that. Uh, we had a border crisis far worse than anything under either Obama or Biden. Um, we had a push for amnesty in the second term. We had Hurricane Katrina. We had failing infrastructure. And we had a Republican Party that was a regional party in the South and out in states like Wyoming, Idaho, uh, Montana. It was a regional party. We were considered a party on the verge of extinction. Donald Trump, for all of his flaws, in 2020, won states like Florida and Ohio, former bellwether swing states by larger margins than Bush ever ever received. He won Hispanic majority counties in South Texas and South Florida by large majorities than George W. Bush ever received, even being the governor of Texas. Um, 
you know, Bush coasted during his presidency and didn't try to change the party or make it broader. He relied on conservative white evangelical Christians and created the situation in our country right now through his border, through his border policy, through his immigration policy legally that brought millions of new immigrants in this country that voted Democrat, that made states like Texas blue or that made states like Colorado a blue state and made New Mexico and Nevada blue states. George W. Bush bears a lot of the responsibility. And it is those policies that people rejected when they voted for Obama. And those policies they also kept on rejecting because Obama was very much a corporate Democrat when they voted for Donald Trump in 2016. You think John Boehner is just getting the play he is right now? Because it seems the, the only sound bites of, of the former Speaker of the House that pop up in the, in the newsfeed are him trashing current and relevant Republicans. Well, I mean, that's how you sell a book. You sit there and sit there and say, uh, you know, let me tell you how much I hate Ted Cruz. I mean, it sells a book. John Boehner for, you know, I'm not a huge fan of John Boehner. For his credit, though, he did vote for Donald Trump. He did defend Trump at times during uh, while he was no longer in the in the House. George W. Bush remained completely silent during the eight years of Obama. And whenever he came out to talk about Trump, he was bashing him. He, he, he broke his silence code where he wasn't going to talk about current presidents when Trump was president and only was there to bash him. Um, so I don't have a lot of sympathy for George W. Bush. I think he was probably a far worse. I think he's probably the worst president since Lyndon Baines Johnson. Um, and we shouldn't have this rec, you know, reflection of, 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 of George W. Bush as this wonderful president who now dances with Ellen and paints pictures of people he got wounded in his wars. We have... This week, uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, passing and signing a bill about uh, riots, essentially saying we will, we will have enhanced penalties and we will prosecute people for rioting. DeSantis also on a, a host of issues, including lockdowns and taking on big tech. He, he seems to be the one Republican elected official right now who's getting national headlines, not just for criticizing what the Democrats are doing, Ted Cruz and others are certainly, and Josh Hawley and others are out there doing that, but presenting what he would like to do. I know he's a governor, not a senator, and so he's not in the minority, doesn't have those same issues, but there still could be an articulation of what policies the right would be pursuing now. Is anyone in your in your mind doing that? And what, and what should that sound like? You know, well, the problem with DeSantis is there's 25 other Republican governors who could be doing that. There's 20... Republican trifecta states that Republicans could be doing that. I mean, there was a bill in the West Virginia state legislature to ban critical race theory, which is a cancer of our times. And the West Virginia state legislature wouldn't bring it up to a vote because because corporations asked them not to. Um, uh, that's the main problem is it's it we shouldn't only have a DeSantis. We have 20 other perfect trifecta governments. Why isn't Mike DeWine doing this? Why isn't uh, the Texas uh, you know, legislator, Arizona with Ducey, uh, Nebraska, you know, name the state Wyoming? Why aren't all these legislators doing these very profound things? And by the way, the problem, the things that face Florida are not the same obstacles that face West Virginia, that face Texas. Every state is different, but there are multiple different ways. Um, I think the problem is right now, you know, we have people like Tucker Carlson, we have some people, we have our friend Ann Coulter, who says very profound things about the problems of the country in a really uh, nationalist and populist way. 
but we don't have many elected leaders, I think, who fully understand it. I had a conversation with a House member, a House staffer, the other day about about a member of leadership. Uh, and I speak to people in the Republican Party in the House very frequently about issues that they should be championing. And I said to them, the problem is so many people want to have populism and nationalism on a learned level. They want to understand it, but they don't actually believe in it. And he said it's the opposite. He said, and I, I kind of do believe him now, that a problem is, is that they have these gut instincts but they have been trained for decades now to sit there and say, no, corporations are your friend, big business is your friend, Silicon Valley is your friend, and to suppress what are their natural instincts. So I think it's going to just take some time um, to sit there and actually free some of these people. And there's also a lot of corporate money running against us. So who knows? But I, I, I think there are people waiting and bubbling up. Um, to sit there and take the mantle and run with it. And, and hopefully in the 2022 Senate elections, especially in these six open Republican states, we see people you know, taking the mantle and running with it. Ryan Gradusky, they're not listening to the book. Check out a copy of it now. Ryan, always appreciate your insights, my friend. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Remember a few weeks ago when everything was magically infrastructure? Well, according to AOC, it's now all climate change. We got that story and more in Quick Hits up next. We're living in very uncertain times and being prepared for the unknown is more important than ever. I'm sure you've noticed the world we live in is anything but predictable. We've got the government passing massive spending bills. The Federal Reserve is printing trillions of dollars in fiat currency, and many experts are predicting inflation could run rampant in the coming months. That could spell disaster for the dollars in your bank account. We could all benefit from something a little more reliable right about now. Well, what could be more reliable than real gold and silver? I'm talking about real gold and silver that you can actually hold right in your hands. Call the Oxford Gold Group now and learn how easy it is to get real gold and silver sent securely directly to your home or how you can have real gold and silver placed in your IRA or 401k. Just call the Oxford Gold Group at 833-600-GOLD and ask for your free guide on owning gold and silver. Again, call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold company I trust. Call them right now at 833-600-GOLD. One more time, that's 833-600-G-O-L-D. AOC's latest climate change rant is a head-scratcher, and a BLM activist says she straight-up supports looting. Those stories in quick hits. Let's get to them. We have first up now. Is there anyone who has greater social media reach, a greater ability through the internet and the digital platforms out there to reach millions and millions of Democrats than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? No. She is the one who, she, she flips open her phone and starts spewing some nonsense about whatever, some Marxist claptrap, you know, just whatever it is, malarkey. And millions of people watch this, and, and particularly younger, not particularly uh, well-informed voters think this is great. Okay. Um, AOC is always finding ways to repackage a kind of stale Marxism as something new and exciting and fresh. And as we know, in this country, there are the, there are the cultural Marxists that are pushing this through a racial lens constantly, the idea of America as so divided and so pulled apart by racial issues that there has to be this massive government entity that is redistributing wealth and redistributing power and all this along racial lines, which is deeply destructive. This is what critical race theory tells you. And, and now there's also climate change, just another version of trying to get to the same place of massive government 
on top of you and everyone making determinations about, well, really everything. Here's how AOC phrases though. It's really, it's, it's astonishing to hear it. Climate change is whatever they say it is. Watch. We must recognize in legislation that the trampling of indigenous rights is a cause of climate change. The, the trampling of racial justice is a cause of climate change because we are allowing people and we are allowing ourselves to make sure, to, we are allowing folks to deny ourselves human rights and deny people the right to health care, the right to housing and education. I, I mean, honestly, I, I try to interpret what the Democrats are saying at any point in time. It's one of the things I, one of the services I feel I can provide for you here on this show, trampling on indigenous rights is a cause of climate change? I mean, technically me breathing is a cause of climate change as I am expelling CO2, but I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything we can do about that. So intellectual and spiritual leader of the Democrat party right now, I, I, don't e I can't even tell you what she thinks she's saying. It's just all, but it, it's really along the lines of what we heard recently uh, from, I think it was Senator Kirsten Gillibrand in a tweet she was saying that, you know, uh, child care is infrastructure and, you know, women's rights are infrastructure. And now I'm pretty sure that infrastructure is infrastructure and that when you make up all these other things, that doesn't change the fact that they are not, in fact, infrastructure. Um, there are obviously very serious concerns across the country right now, as I'm speaking to you about riots. There already were some riots last week in Minnesota and some other places, but there could be a whole lot more coming our way, which would be sad. I hope that that is not the case and that people just uh, act, peace, uh, act peacefully in response to, to today's verdict. And I hope that there's no violence. I think I know that that's very unlikely to be the case. But there are some people, some activists who have a platform, who have reach and a constituency, who just want you to know, including this BLM activist, that looting is, in their mind, looting is justified. Play it support all that I support them looting the, the dollar tree I support the looting of uh what other did they loot uh like the like the advanced auto parts um I remember last year they looted target I support all that loot all that do you know why because black people and marginalized and oppressed people could loot every store in this whole country for 200 years it would not even come close to the debt that America owes up. Do you think she's the only person, the only BLM activist who feels that way or has feelings that at least at some level looting is justified because of historical injustice? No, I don't think she's the only one. I, I can't tell you how many individuals there are who believe that, but I do know that whether it's CNN or the New York Times, any criticism of looting and rioting that does happen will always be muted from the left. It'll either be a quasi-justification, there'll be an attempt, an effort to explain away things, uh, or just to ignore the worst parts of it. The mostly peaceful protest formulation, mostly peaceful while there are buildings still burning and businesses still ruined and police officers still in the hospital from stitches on their face or their head or their hand from being hit with bricks and bottles of urine as if somehow that is in the cause of justice. Um, speaking about the cause of justice, Yamiche Alcindor, a PBS reporter, has decided, to, uh, decided today to ask Jen Psaki, White House Press Secretary, why the White House 
isn't rushing to the defense of Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who told, who told protesters on the street to be more confrontational than they already are. Here's how that exchange went. I wonder why the White House isn't also coming to the defense of Representative Waters, given the fact that she's now facing an onslaught of attacks, especially by, I would say, Republicans. I wonder why the White House isn't saying, we, we back what she said about being confrontational. She was obviously not threatening violence. There are civil rights leaders that are saying that's what, that's what civil rights is, is to be confrontational, to be active. Yeah, why isn't the, I mean, I'm kind of curious, why isn't the White House, oh, well, maybe because the judge overseeing the Chauvin trial said that Maxine Waters' comments could provide the basis for an appeal. I mean, that, that's one of many reasons that I could think of why the White House wouldn't want to get really involved in backing up Maxine Waters' comments here, but at least we know that uh, PBS is paying for activists to pretend to be journalists, so that's nothing new. Uh, and then here in New York City, trying to get more people vaccinated, a Joints for Jabs program on 420. That's right, 420 is like International Weed Smoking Day or something like that, I, I don't know. Here's the program. Uh, in honor of 420, continued efforts to get New Yorkers vaccinated. A group of activists will hand out free joints in Union Square for people to get vaccinated. I have a feeling this is not gonna change the numbers all that much, but it uh, will be quite a party down in Union Square. Probably be this in other places across the country too. All right, everybody, let's hope this week, uh, let's hope things calm down. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. We've got the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly next. Shields high.